0: Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Providence POV and Merry Christmas. It's Joe Howie and Peter DiBiase. We have a quick one, but a fun one for you guys today. Coming into this one, Providence beats Butler 85-75 in overtime at home. This was uh, quite the game, uh, headlined by Ticket Gaines' three-pointer to send the team into overtime. Peter. Merry Christmas. How was your Christmas?
1: It's good. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone that is listening. Obviously, new, the new year is just on the horizon. Obviously, the Friars got a nice victory. Stressful victory, but a victory is a victory. And they ended up winning by 10 uh, heading into Christmas. Uh, I was at the game. It was, it was one of those up and down roller coasters, but I'm happy they came out with a win and they started 2 0 two oh at home and 2 0. And oh in the Big East.
0: That's right. Friars are now sitting at the top of the conference standings at 2-0. and o. They're joined by Villanova, uh, who is also 2-0. and o. Also, Merry Christmas from Santa Kim English Monday. I guess Monday afternoon it was. The top 25 came out. Providence poked its way into the top 25 with that victory coming in at 25th on December 25th. A little Christmas magic miracle Whatever you want to call it, a nice little gift in the stocking from King Kim English and the Friars, but this was a fun game. Um, you know, definitely an up and down game. Uh, Friars take a fifteen nothing lead to start. Butler chips away. Uh, Providence goes up four at halftime, and then obviously it was a back and forth second half. Peter, there are a lot of things that I know we want to talk about from this one, but. I think the the funny storyline to start with here is that uh, there were some technical issues with Butler's flight on (laughs) Friday that delayed them until Saturday morning. And for anyone who was watching the game at home like I was, John Fanta and Donnie Marshall brought that up maybe 600 times during the broadcast, (laughs) and it was the most annoying thing Just. Oh, Butler! You know they had plane issues and they chip back from down fifteen. Like, yeah. all
1: right, we got it. Yeah, like I obviously being at the game, I knew that they had plane issues. I read it, and I think you and I texted about it uh, as well. Um, and obviously, look, they were down fifteen nothing to start the game. So, could that have been effect on it? Probably. It's, it kind of like shapes up to be. It was yes, fifteen nothing. Um, kind of shaped fifteen nothing almost five minutes into the game, so it might have shaped up to that. But, obviously, in most Big East games that you play, the team – in most college games that are against high-level opponents, Butler being a very underrated team this year, obviously I think a, I think a pretty good team is going to be a tough out, especially at, at Hinkle this year. Um, anybody going to Hinkle, uh, get ready, because I, I feel like that's going to be a tough game no matter who it is. But the I didn't think Butler was just going to roll over and kind of just – kind of give up on the game, right? Like it's, you're down 15, nothing. It's not easy to obviously come back for that, but they chipped away and look, they chipped away early because it got, it was only a four point game at half and obviously Butler outscored the Friars by four in the second half. So I never thought, and I know people were telling me this on the broadcast that they kept talking about like how kind of how they announcers reacting like, Oh, Butler's not going to come back in this game. Like, look, I didn't think they were going to come back and this game, get to OT. Like that was not what I thought when it was 15, nothing, I thought they were trying to make like an effort and credit to them. And also kind of bad on the Friars part for kind of letting them back into the game. Yeah.
0: You got to give Butler a lot of credit there. I mean, when you go down 15, nothing on the road, it is a very tough Mm -hmm. task, especially mind you in an environment like that. And shout out to the fans, including you, Peter, that, you know, made the, the trip to the amp on the day before Christmas, Eve. I think, you know, a huge testament to where the program is. It was according to ESPN, 93% capacity with 11,000 people. So that's really good. Um, But credit Butler, because when you go down 15, nothing on the road in an atmosphere, like the Amica mutual pavilion, it's really tough to scrape and claw back into a game the way that they did. Um, And that's a testament to the overhaul that Thad Mata did uh, this off season. And, and, getting guys out of the transfer portal and onto the roster. Um, You know, we we could talk about Butler a little bit more, but I think they did a really good job of, um, you know, taking the punch on the chin and then, you know, turning around and counter punching. Um, And, you know, that's what you're going to get in the Big East. It's never going to be, I I mean, obviously, unless you're playing DePaul or Georgetown, it's never going to be these, you know, runaway blowout victories. Like if you're playing any of the top six or seven teams in the league, expect, you know, punch, counter punch. It's a, it's a rock fight with bricks, uh, if you will.
1: Yeah, and also, I think we kind of led into that as well. Like, I didn't think we, from start to finish, maybe besides the overtime, which was probably one of maybe our best five minutes of the season, uh, I thought we particularly didn't play great. Like, I just thought overall, after being at 15 nothing, we kind of gagged throughout the game. I, I think defensively, we weren't super sharp. Butler made a lot of tough mid-range shots and they shot the ball particularly well from three in the second half. I just thought Butler made some nice shots down the stretch. And I just thought overall from the Friars, right? Like, I'm happy about the victory, but obviously there was definitely some concerns of how they played in that end of the first half and, and just throughout the second half. Free throw shooting, you and I talked about where we obviously would get to it, struggled. Three-point shooting was very up and down. I think the, this was the first time This year, I thought defensively we weren't on our like B plus A game. Like I thought, Butler had a point of attack, and I thought they did a very good job of getting by our guards, right, and finishing with floaters, with mid range jump shots. And I think that's a testament to who they are as a team. And you and I talked about this in our preview episode. Joe Butler's led by three or four guards, right? Like they play more of a small ball, even though Pierre Brooks is six 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 seven. He's more of he's more of a guard than he's a, he is a forward, right? Like, so we knew coming in that those that would be the type of matchup, like four kind of guards, one big man that kind of just rim protects and kind of just rebounds and defends. So I thought we didn't do a great job of that, like just stopping penetration and just giving up like nice looks in the paint and credit to Butler for getting those things. But I thought this was the first game maybe our defense wasn't probably like on our a game and it showed well because off we did shoot 45 percent from the field compared to butler's 39 percent. like we shot better than them i thought we had a better offensive team i just thought defensively we were a step behind than we were maybe in the market game
0: yeah i think you're right um the stats uh show that you know defensively providence held butler to 39 percent from the field 33 percent from deep but you know i i think that's also butler missing shots uh i don't know if aren't our if I would say that our oh my god I can't speak I don't know if I'd say that our defensive intensity was as locked in as we were uh for the Marquette game so I think you hit the nail on the head with that point you know the stats are misleading but for those that watch the game the eye test will tell you that you know we didn't we weren't as locked in as we should have been I think especially late in the second half there were you know there were plenty of times where there was an opportunity to put the defensive clamps down and, and take it. But it was a back and forth battle. And that's what saw Butler with a uh, three point lead going into that final possession there where Ticket hit the big three. So sorry, go ahead. I I, I just I think you're right. You know, defensively, the intensity wasn't as good as it's been in the past. Um, and hopefully that's something that they'll you know work to fix over this 13, 14 day break.
1: I think it's also tough to defend after being up 15, nothing, right? Like, well, yeah, you see the score, right? You see it 15, nothing. And I guess in your mind, you're thinking like, we don't have to be our a game because well, if we lose by two for the rest of the game, we still win by 13, right? Like that type of game. So it's that type of game where you're up 15, nothing, like quick, like right? you're up 15, nothing in five minutes of the game. Like it's something that, you obviously want to do, but you never really anticipate or expect in a Big East game because it rarely happens. So you go at 15-0, you have the crowd into it, and then Butler slowly chips away. You go on that kind of couple walls on offense, Butler, Butler keeps going, and all of a sudden you look up, Joe, and you're like, shoot, we're at four points in yeah. the first half. And you're just like, we didn't feel like we were only at four points. You felt like you're up 10, but it was only four. And I just thought the, like the crowd had a weird reaction. I didn't know how to react. I thought, yeah. Players, it was it was one of those games that you can never draw up or anticipate as a coach. I would think just because it had so many different runs and so many different sequences. No team shot well from three. It was kind of like old school basketball. Nobody could make a free throw. Like it was just a weird game. Y-
0: yeah. Don't get me started on the free throws. I mean, Both teams, both teams didn't make a free throw. I mean, if we made, if we made half of the free throws that we missed, we would have won in regulation. I just, this is the second time in in recent memory now where, you know, I talk about the free throw shooting and I just, those are free. They are for free. You get fouled going to the cup. You get, you know, a little bit of a breather. The clock stops. You get free shots at the rim. Yeah. Like, free, no, yeah, no, yeah. uncontested. Like, I, I, I can't beat the dead horse enough on this point. You got to make those, and, yeah. And, and it's gonna cost go it
1: game once like, it is going to, it almost me. did. It's, it's gonna, you and I are gonna come on after a game, Joe, and we are gonna be the free throws cost us a game. Like, it's gonna happen this year, and it usually does every year, like for every, most most teams in college basketball, right? Like, it does happen. Um, but, but like, if you're Ballard, Joe, like, they were 11 for 20, 55 percent, like, they're thinking too, if that mod is thinking. We make three more. We make two more. We win this game. Like they're they're thinking the same exact thing that you and I are thinking at the moment. Right. Exactly.
0: Um. But all right. Yeah. So uh, it was a weird game. Um. The ending of this game is the most exciting part. Obviously. Uh. Friars go down three on a you know, kind of a phantom foul and on one. I think it was on DJ Davis. Yeah makes the free throw for a three-point game. Uh, Butler elects to not foul, up three. Jaden Pierre drives to the baseline, cuts across, dishes out to Ticket gains on the wing, who had just picked and popped. He drains the three with about two and change left on the clock, um, and the rest is history. Forces overtime, Devin Carter goes off, and Providence wins by 10. Um, from the Providence side of things, you know, I think Devin Carter had his fingerprints all over this one, 24 points, nine rebounds. He was eight for 15 from the field, four of nine from deep, perfect from the stripe, two assists, uh, one block, a steal. You know, he he's just doing the Devin Carter things um, that we've seen him do a lot this season. And I think this game stacked on top of the Marquette game have now floated his name around uh, early on here. The, this is obviously a lot can change for this team and the conference, but his name is now being floated around as a candidate for Big East Player of the Year. And I think it is deservingly so. He is playing uh, the way that a lot of us Fryer fans had expected Bryce Hopkins to yeah. play this season. And, you know, Devin Carter, he's playing at an all American level right now.
1: His name is also being floated around as an NBA draft pick. Last week, Bleacher Report, or maybe it was this week. I think it was last week, Bleacher, or after the Marquette game, Bleacher Report, before the Butler game, Bleacher Report put out a mock draft. And they do it every couple of weeks. They had him going 38 in the draft, obviously, that is re- relatively early in the second round. So his name is floating out. But I want to go back, Joe. You, we talked about, you talked about the sequence, right, of the three that... Tiki gains doesn't hit it, you and I are talking about a three-point home loss, and we're talking about a potential disaster um, yep. of a game. We, we really are, because you don't make that three. You and I are sitting here, and we're like, okay, this is kind of a disaster. Not just Christmas lost, is ruined, but just, just how we lost, and now we are 15-0. But Tiki Gains, I guess, saved Christmas. Uh, DJ Davis was the Grinch, and Tiki <laughs> was Santa Claus. So... It's when Pierre obviously DJ Davis, who I think had a heck of a game, uh, obviously got fouled, made it up, up for went to go up three. Obviously, and when Pierre was driving and he started going to the baseline, and I was on the opposite side of the court at the game, I was like, Oh my god, he's gonna run out of time, right? Like, because you've seen players and sequences happen, they go and they take too long, and you don't need a two, you can't take a two, yep, because you're gonna lose. And he somehow whips around under the basket and finds Tiki Gaines, who hits one of the best shots I've seen in person, and just a great shot. And I thought, one, the crowd obviously went bananas, but I thought Jaden Pierre made one of the best plays he's made of of the season. And you and I have been hard on Jaden Pierre since the Kansas State injury. You and I have been very hard on Jaden Pierre because yep. we, we, we've criticized him for his turnovers. And, look, it's it's we're, we're being honest. And I thought, well, he's still two for six, fine shooting. Uh, He had eight points. His scoring doesn't want to stand out to me. It was a good scoring. It was a solid scoring uh, afternoon. But his six assists, obviously that one assist, the biggest assist of the season so far, and the two turnovers, right? Like, that's what we want to see from our point guard. That is who we want to – that's what we want to see out of him. I think he played one of his more kind of tight-knit games. I still think he struggles defensively, but I thought he played – Good enough defensively and didn't turn the ball over to keep him in the game because he played. Obviously, this is including overtime. He played 39 minutes. Garway played 17, and we did see at times, Joe Kim English yanked Pierre because he just wasn't defending, right? And if he's not defending, it becomes an issue. And Garway comes on and Garway defends because Garway is one of the probably the second best or third best defender on this team uh, yep. behind or maybe even gains. What right? So like we, we we've seen that sequence. And Pierre's been yanked earlier in games just because he's been turning the ball over. But it is tough to take him off the court when he's playing that way in the offensive side of the game. Right? You can live with the defensive walls if he's having six assists to two turnovers. So I thought his pass was great. I, I got, thought that final sequence was great. And I, I don't know if you saw this or two things, but the Kim English telling oh no, no, I'm going to the wrong sequence. Never mind. That's for later in the show. But <laughs> Dad Mata was talking post game they wanted to foul right they they wanted to foul because that's the play everyone on Twitters like, you got a foul you got a foul because obviously yeah. you're up three you want to foul and it, as a as a if it was like if I was watching the game and it wasn't my two teams I kind of hate that because I want it to be a final shot because it's more exciting to watch yeah um, but obviously if, if to to win the game that's what you're supposed to do but he said they couldn't but like they couldn't get to pierre because he was too quick and he just kind of went around them so I, I just want to give a shout out to Pierre because I thought he made one of the highlight plays of his season so far and probably the team season. Now, obviously, Ticket Gaines' three was great, but everyone knows that. No one I, talks about I They talk about Pierre, but Ticket Gaines gets the love, and I think Pierre needs the love a little as well.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, tickets, tickets, shot, ticket's shot was the shot of the game. Yes. But Pierre's pass was the assist of the game, and altogether it was the play of the game, and that was what uh, Kim English and the team – really emphasized on in the post game press conference. And that's, you know, everything was executed to perfection from, you know, Corey Bryce and Devin doing their thing off the ball tickets, pick and pop. And then Jaden's ability to, you know, with control fly down the court at a decent pace and at a pace that was good enough to keep the defender from fouling him right away to, get down to the baseline, look, pivot, and get that pass off the ticket. Everything was all, everything was clicking on all cylinders. And the result was that, you know, the shot that is going to be played, you know, for a lot of the season, right? Like that's the type of play that you don't forget about. It's like when you think of two years ago, Jared Bynum's buzzer beater on the road at Xavier, uh, That was the 2021-2022 season. Mm -hmm. Sure, you move on, you play other games, but that's one of the plays that you're sitting with your buddies, having a few beers, you're like, oh, yeah, you remember this. So um, credit to Jaden. That was a really good pass. Um, And also, it's funny the thing you said about Thad in the post-game press conference because Kim, on the other hand, was like, yeah, you know – it's tough when you're a defender because you want to foul up three, but you need to be careful because if Jaden stops and pulls up for that three pointer and you foul him and the chances of that going in, like you give them the game right there. So you could see the hesitation. And I think it was maybe DJ Davis who was guarding uh Pierre. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly, but the hesitation on the Butler guys, because Jaden was coming so fast down the court that it's like, Sure, you could try and foul him and stop him, but what if he tries to pull up? Like you don't know his next move. Um, you,
1: yeah, you got to be careful. You probably wanted to foul him when he got inside the three point line, right? And obviously, um, in high inside 50 when the game's going hundred miles per hour. That's not easy, right? Like no, that's that's not. it's not. Yeah. It's you and I. You and I sitting here on our in our chairs in our rooms. Then <laughs> we talk about oh, we got a foul. And like that's what that's what sometimes I hate about sometimes as fans and just people on social media and stuff. Like like of course they wanted to foul like, Thad Mata. Is not an idiot, right? Like that might have went to a I think he went to a final four with Ohio State, right? Like yeah. This guy isn't like an idiot. Like he knows how to coach college basketball and they wanted to foul, but it's tough. And I credit to Jaden Pierre for making it tough. You want to make it tough because if they foul you there, then it gets really dicey because then you obviously you have to make both free throws and knowing us, we won't because we just didn't make free throws. So it just felt like that type of game where uh, Pierre's like, a good free throw shooter true. though. True. 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 He, what did he go? I think he went, he went two for two. I agree. Yeah. Pierre a good free throw shooter, just, but just how that game flowed, it just feels like it was one of those games where he mm. might miss one, but even not like you make both. You have one or you down one and then you foul again, just the clock's gone. Like it's, you went from nine seconds to start the play to four, right? And it's not the NBA where you can get the ball past half court, right? Like it's you got go to go the length, and that's not easy to do. Um, but you also mentioned mentioned Devin Carter. I think we got to talk about Devin Carter, and you 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 laid it out perfectly, Joe. He was great. Um, yeah, I thought he had the OT. I said earlier that was probably the Fire's five best minutes of basketball. I, I get they had good runs in the Marquette game, but I just thought in five concrete minutes that was some of the best basketball I've seen. They came out. And they just put their stamp on the game. They didn't waste yeah. a, a Doro free throw. Uh oh, sorry, not a Doro free throw. A Doro layup, and then a stop. Then a Devin Carter makes two free throws. But then Telford answers, and then you have a Devin Carter three that make it a five-point game. They answer again, so Boer wasn't going away anytime soon. Yep. Three-point game, but then a, a Doro layup and a Devin Carter three, and that Devin Carter three. If everyone, I, I think you, I think I'm assuming you saw, it, but if. You haven't seen it. Go on social media and type in Ian Steele, my former boss at ABC6. And he had a perfect clip because he was shooting it under the basket. And you can see Kim English go up behind him to Devin Carter. As Devin Carter, this is on the second three. This was uh, to make it 81-73. And he said, tells him, come on, man, shoot it, shoot it. And he just shoots it and he makes it. So that I thought that was a cool clip because you were able to read uh, Kim English's lips, and Ian did a good job of putting that in the video, like the text in the video. And it just also just shows, like, one, we're going to shoot threes, and we've come to a constant that. And, two, Kim English trusts his players to make shots, and he trusts Devin Carter. So Devin Carter made two free throws, hit a three, and then hit another three. And, obviously, Doro had a couple baskets in OT as well. And, uh, and then Carter made two more free throws. I just thought Carter and OT was just incredible and just kind of turned into that kind of superstar guard – that I think we needed in, in overtime. Yeah.
0: Everything you said, Peter was, is, is perfect. Um, Kim put together a really good coaching game. Um, and if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to the post game press conference yet, I would highly recommend because it it, it was probably the best one that he's, you know, he's produced since he's been at the helm. Um, just his mind his his basketball mind is incredible and his point of view on things is even more so um he said you know when you get to overtime typically there's there's two different you know energies there's the team that is excited and relieved and happy to get there and there's the team that doesn't want to be there and would have preferred the game end in regulation and that is spot on because Butler goes up 69-66 and thinks, all right, you know, we won the game. Let's, you know, we we took a, a late flight, whatever, down 15. Now we're winning. Providence comes down. Ticket knocks down that three. We go into overtime, energize off of that huge play, and the, it was a complete momentum shift. I mean, we went on a 16-6 to 6 run in overtime, but what Kim said is exactly what happened, right? Butler looked deflated. Providence came out hot. And it's because of Kim's ability to to get his guys up for the moment. He did it for Marquette, right? Like you and I talked, we we didn't know what was going to come out of that Marquette game. And if more free throws had fallen, it would have been a 25-point beatdown. Instead, it was a 15-point beatdown. Same thing here. He gets his guys and he treats them. Again, another quote from the post-game press conference. He looked at what Shaka Smart and Danny Hurley said to their teams and he said the same thing to his team. He challenged his team to come to the film session after Marquette treating it like a loss because he wants his guys to prepare that with the same level that Marquette and Yukon the two top teams in the conference prepare with. And this is this is mind you after a win. So all the credit here goes to Kim English and his ability to prepare the guys to be in that moment, to prepare Devin Carter to do what he did in overtime um and moreover right you look at the the bond between them you know very rarely are you going to see a coach storm down the sideline the way kim did and say shoot it man come on shoot it to his player and you know luckily they had the matchup that they wanted but all in all, all in all i'm rambling here but all in all that was you know a great coaching game by kim and i think this really puts uh his relationship with the players out into you know the public view. You know, we knew through some of the preseason and offseason reports that he really meshed and bonded well with the guys, but now we're seeing it unfold in front of us and his ability to relate to them and to communicate with them and to you know, you know dialogue with them during the games is just unmatched. He is he's doing a great job.
1: Yeah, and I think one question heading into this year, and I think it was, it was a fair question, is how is Kim English going to coach in Big East games, right? Like Big East and even in non-con games against the Kansas States, Georgia, Oklahoma's of the world, right? But Big East games, in type Big East games, it gets dicey, right? Like there's a lot of really good coaches in this conference from top to bottom. So you're going to have to <clears throat> somehow coach out coach a guy, right? It's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went against Shaka Smart, Who's been to a final four of VCU, who won a biggie's championship last year with Marquette, and then you against that Mata who's trying to rebuild Butler, who's got Butler looking like in a, in a good direction at the moment. And he also that Mata who went to a final four of Ohio State, right? Like those guys are proven, legit college basketball coaches, and Kim English isn't, right? Like he had a good run at George Mason, but he isn't a proven elite college basketball coach. So we wanted to see how he would coach in these type of games, and so far, obviously Marquette was good and then became a blowout so it wasn't a tight game but he coached well in that game and then I thought this game I thought look you could have the second half could have been we could have got run out of our own building right like because we didn't play particularly well in the second half and you go from being up 15 to being in a tight game to being down three to having to make stops that five minutes into the first half you didn't think you were going to have to make stops you think we were going to see walk-ons at that point of the game at Three minutes left in the game, right? It was that type of right. beginning. So obviously credit to the players for battling, but also credit to the coaching staff, Kim English and everyone on the coaching staff for kind of writing the ship because this ship could have flipped in that second half because it almost did. It, it almost did. They they yeah, but they kept it afloat enough, obviously, to get it to OT. And obviously, at the end of the day, your players have to make shots because Kim English is not there to make shots. Um, and take a Gains and Pierre had a great sequence to get it. But I thought overtime was great. They put their throat on their gas, and they just not, they put their foot on the gas, <laughs> throat on their necks, and just and just kept going, and left no doubt. It looked like we blew them out. Like at the end of the game, even though. Yeah, won by ten. I guess you blew him out, but it, yeah, obviously you kind of didn't. OT is always weird. I think in college basketball. And I had confidence going into OT because a lot of the times the better team at home usually wins, especially with the momentum, like you said after the game mm-hmm. three. Like we had all the the crowd was back into it, the players are back into it, the momentum was went from 100% Butler to like 85% Providence, right? Like that's where it flipped after right. the three. So I thought they did a great job in that. I thought Cam English did a pretty good job overall.
0: Yeah. I I mean, he did a good job. Um, You know, you're right. The Butler had the momentum um, up until that ticket shot. But then after that, you know, I was very confident going into overtime that we were going to win the game. Um, But yeah, I mean, Kim's doing a really good job so far uh, through the first two games here of conference play. uh, And, keep in mind too like again this was i'm going to keep referencing it and if you haven't listened to it yet you got to you got to go check this one out cuz it was a good one the post game press conference even after an emotional overtime buzzer beater victory over butler kim english is still talking about the next game and he did this after the marquette game too he wouldn't even smile to um to i think it was jim jackson and I forget who else was in the booth, but he wouldn't even smile to the Fox guys because he was too busy focusing on Butler. And he was smiling and he was celebrating this win a little bit more than the Marquette one, but he was already talking about Seton Hall. And you can just see the wheels are turning in his head like it's never enough. And he's a he's a true competitor. Um, I think my favorite quote from the press conference was, you know, there isn't a go-to guy on this Providence team, right? It's not Devin. It's not Josh. It's not Bryce. It's whoever the open man is, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have an open look, take it. If not, pass it. If not, pass it, right? Like, such a – he simplifies the game so much, but at the same time, like, he has such a vast wealth of knowledge about basketball. And when you listen to these post-game press conferences, he's all business. It's – I'm rambling again. Go listen to it. (laughs) That's, that's going to be the final line here. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hundred percent agree. All right.
0: Let's round out some of the stats here for Providence. uh, Obviously Devin Carter led the team in scoring with 24 and nine rebounds. Josh Oduro. We haven't even talked about him. He pieced together a man's game down low, 19 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks, Six assists for the big man, eight for 14 from the field. He was one for two from deep. He had, you know, a, a really terrific performance and he's going to fly under the radar this season as the most underrated big in the conference. He can hold his own. And, you know, this was a really uh, advantageous matchup for him. And he took advantage um, going down the stat sheet here. Ticket gains. The man of the game, 17 points, five rebounds, two assists, two blocks, six for 13 from the field, five for 12 from deep, including his buzzer beating, well, almost buzzer beating three-pointer to send the game to overtime. And then we've got Bryce Hopkins. Again, Hopkins didn't have the best shooting night of his performance, of his career, Uh, five for 14 from the field. He was 0 for 5 from deep. But... Even on an off shooting night, he still had 12 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, I can only say this until I'm blue in the face so much longer, but when he is on, watch out, because this team is going to be unstoppable. Right now, we're getting a Bryce Hopkins that's struggling to shoot the basketball, and he's still piecing together double-doubles. It is incredible how talented this kid is, and... Once he figures it out and gets things going, he's going to be a monster.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I thought Adoro, like you said a minute ago, Adoro had had a great game. Right, like nineteen points, fourteen rebounds. He was good defensively. He was good offensively. And we, you and I, talked about. I think he had an advantage. In his matchup, right, like, unlike some of the other guards potentially in this game, I thought Adoro had an advantage. Um, I did think he took a bad shot at the end of regulation, or close to the regulation, maybe a minute and a half, two minutes left, that fifteen footer or so. Oh yeah, I thought that was like probably his worst play of the year because I was like, whoa, well, that was just not where we wanted. There, like fifteen on the shot clock or something like that. But outside of that one lone <laughs> one play, that I was like, oh. Under my breath, I was like, damn it, Adoro, not the shot we wanted. Besides that, he, I think he was dominant. And you and I have talked about it so many times. He needs to get the ball more. And he got the ball more. And I think we saw how the offensive offense flowed better with him getting touches throughout the uh, throughout the game. Yeah.
0: Um Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because we talked about this a couple of episodes ago about getting him touches. And then if he gets doubled, he can dish it out to open shooters. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you don't get six assists as the starting center, not not, you know, passing out. So I think he continues to impress. He can he continues to be the most underrated player in the conference. And I'm really excited to, to see where he goes. Um, but all right, I think that's going to do it uh, for us. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com to get in on the fun. Peter, before we sign off here, any closing thoughts?
1: One thing I just wanted to I noted or to know. We only had 7 turnovers, right? So we had 17 assists to 7 turnovers, right? So I said in the beginning of the episode, I thought offensively we played a pretty well-rounded game outside of some missed threes and some stupid shots we like to take. But that's every game. And then obviously some free throws, but I thought we didn't turn the ball over and I think that that kept us when we were struggling a little bit in the second half. So 17 assists to 7 turnovers. That's kind of the ratio you kind of want. If you keep the turnovers under 10, which is not easy to do in the Big East, but they did, you're, you are you were going to win a lot of games. So seven turnovers is just another, I think, bright spot that comes uh, out of this game. Yeah. that that
0: We've been, you know, hamming and hawing about this for quite some time, but taking care of the basketball is so important, especially in the Big East. Um you know they've they've been cleaning it up as of late. Uh, let's hope that continues as conference
1: play progresses. Yeah, we also before we also averaged thirteen point eight turnovers a game. So to drop it to seven is basically cutting basically your turnovers per game in half, and that's that's a great way to win a lot of games. Yeah, that's that's awesome.
0: Um, I mean, I don't really know. I I don't know how to say that without sounding sarcastic. Just because (laughs) there have been so many turnovers uh, on the box score this season. Um, all right. We will. You will hear from us again on Tuesday. Uh, you know, still a couple of days off here as we're recording this Thursday, the twenty eighth. Um, Providence doesn't play for another six days, so uh, you'll hear a Seton Hall pregame episode from us on next Tuesday, January 2nd. Um, so we'll wish you Happy New Year's before then. But uh, once again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody. For Peter, this is Joe. Merry Christmas, and go Friars.
1: Go Friars.